find the book of Judges. Judges chapter 16, we'll begin to read in verse number 18. On this first Sunday of the new year, I want to speak to you on this subject, a life well wasted. A life well wasted. Judges chapter 16, we'll begin to read in verse 18. Won't you stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. When Judges chapter 16, begin to read in verse 18, the Bible says these words, when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks off his head. And Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice and they said, Our God is delivered into our hands, Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry, and that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me fill the pillars which support the temple so I can lean on them. Now as the temple was full of men and women, all the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, Remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself again, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he killed in all his life. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eschatol in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak and challenge the hearts of everyone that sits under the sound of my voice, either in this building or someone who's going to hear this message in a rebroadcast later. God, I pray if there's someone here who's never humbled themselves and by faith, as they've repented, trusted Christ to be Lord of their life, they'll, they'll choose to do that today. But God, I want to pray for every believer that's in this place, that we'll pause and we'll humble ourselves, and God, we will yield ourselves, even right now, and ask your Holy Spirit to search us, and to try us, 
and to show us the real spiritual reality that, that you see in our lives, where we are in our walk with you. And God, I pray if it is not a relationship that is glowing and growing, Father, that those that stand in need today will choose to repent and humble themselves afresh and new and, and embrace a fresh opportunity for revival and renewal as this new year begins that can only be found in Jesus Christ. God, show us again from this passage of Scripture the tragic reality that can happen in the life of any believer who through rebellion and rejection against your word and will can absolutely waste their life and the opportunity that you give us to serve you and make a kingdom impact in this world. Bless this time, be honored and glorified through it all. It's in Christ's precious name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Now I'm about you to be seated. Remember that the book of Judges was a very, very dark, dark time in Israel's history. The last verse in uh, the book of Judges really sums up the spiritual reality of the nation of Israel at that time. Chapter 21, verse number 25 says, Every man did that which was right in their own sight. The word of God and the will of God had no impact on Israel as a whole anymore. They'd failed to live up to the covenant stipulations that they had entered into with God. They no longer loved God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they didn't love their neighbor as themselves. Now, certainly there were some individuals like Manoah and others who were living for the Lord. And the backdrop against this is a beautiful picture in the, the book of Ruth during the time of Judges to see that there were people like, some people like Boaz and Ruth who really loved the Lord. But the majority, the vast majority of the nation of Israel, they had turned away from God. And God raised up judges when they would turn away. God sent chastening. He sent hardship. And God sent judges to turn the hearts of the people back to Israel to deliver them from captivity. And Israel would turn back to the Lord for a season. But then they would return back to sin. It was this tragic roller coaster for a better lack of terms, faith that they had. It was just constantly up and down and up and down rather than one that was upward and going and glowing and growing with the Lord. It was a sad, vicious cycle that really lasted for over 400 years. Well, Samson was one of those judges that God called to deliver his people and to lead his people. But sadly, if you look at Samson's life, it really mirrored the world and the people uh, rather than a life that was wholly devoted to the lordship of Almighty God. His life really was a life, many times has been said, was a life that was well wasted. The life of Samson is a tragic reminder of what sin and rebellion will do in the life of a believer. And make no mistake, friend, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, through the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, the author of Hebrews bears out, Samson was a saved man. This was a man who had saving faith. He had, he had submitted his life at one time to the lordship of Almighty God. So this isn't just a reminder of what can happen in, in a lost person's life. This is what can happen tragically in the life of a believer who, who chooses to have what I call a bungee cord relationship with God. Just begin to drift away from God, stretching, and then God has to send hardship and tragedy to jerk their chain to cause them to come back, and they'll come back for a season and then out. Don't mistake this with what John speaks of in 1 John chapter 3 of a present continuous 
lifestyle of sin in someone who says they're saved, but there is no bungee cord. There is no return. It is a present, continuous rebellion against God. This is the sad tragedy of someone who had saving faith, but was just in and out in that faith. Notice the things that happened uh, in Samson's life. First off, I want you to notice the potential for realization. That word realization, uh, that's a synonym for success or achievement. I had to alliterate. So it's, it's the potential for realization, for success or for achievement. Samson had the potential, as do all believers, to accomplish all that God called him and desired to do in his life and through his life. Uh, turn over to just a few chapters to chapter 13. Uh, notice first that he had, he had a very godly upbringing. Chapter 13, verse 1 says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. That was the sad pattern. And now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren. They had no children. And the angel of the Lord, that's, now, now who is that? If it's the angel of the Lord, who is that? It's the pre-New Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. So here the Lord comes to speak to them personally and appeared to the woman and said, Indeed now, you are barren and you have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to, let, not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. That's what the Bible calls unclean ceremony. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So here the angel of the Lord, Christ, comes and begins to speak to Manoah and his wife, and he begins to reveal to them a will that God wants to do through Samson's life. Samson would be one who Numbers chapter 6 declares to be a Nazarite, someone who would take a Nazarite vow. Three things marked a Nazarite, someone who was separated to God for his exclusive use. Number one, no razor was to come upon them. Number two, there was to be no consumption of any grape product of any kind that was made with or by grapes. And then number three, they weren't to touch anything unclean. And the Bible declared what was clean and what was not unclean ceremonially. And so those things marked them. They were set aside for God's exclusive use. And his parents' life uh, was marked by a life of commitment and surrender to the Lord initially uh, in, in Samson's upbringing. Look what the Bible says in verse number 12 of chapter 13. After the Lord reveals all these things to them, she's barren, they've not been able to have a child, Manoah said, now let your words come to pass. Their life was marked by surrender. Not in word only. These were parents that were all in. And Samson was going to be able to see this as he grew up. Number two, they had a teachable spirit. Look what the Bible says in verse number 15. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord. Now who is that again? It's Jesus Christ. He said, please let us detain you and we will prepare a young goat for you. Verse number 17 says, what's your name? Manoah says to him, they have a teachable spirit. They want to learn. They want to know more from God and about God. Number three, they had a desire to worship. Look at verse number 19 of chapter 13. So Manoah took a young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. They wanted to remember, and worship is simply enjoying the presence of God. 
And so here they make this sacrifice, this offering to the Lord. They had a great desire to worship. Uh, not only that, but number four, they had a sense of humility. Um, you know, they, they didn't have this attitude. Well, it's about time God noticed how we've been living down here amidst all these wicked people. You know, we've been waiting for you to show up and tell us that wasn't the attitude that they, they had. The Bible says that they humbled themselves. Look at verse number 20, they, the, the last sentence of that verse. They fell on their faces to the ground. They realized who they were in the presence of. Though they didn't realize that it was the angel of the Lord, they realized that they were in the presence of God and that God was sending them a message, and they humbled themselves before that. And not only that, they had an obedient will. Look at verse number uh, 24. The Bible says, So the woman bore a son. Though they had not been able to have children, they went home and they did their part so that they could. And so they, God says, you're going to have a son. They, by faith, acted upon it. And God gave them a son. And, they, and the Bible says in verse number 25 that the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon uh, Samson. And they named him. Uh, and, and they began to, to point him in that direction of a Nazarite vow. So he had all that potential because of his godly upbringing. But not only that, he had God upon him. So he had parents that were pushing him in the right direction. Again, not dragging him to church. They didn't have the attitude of let's just take him to church. They were living. Hear me, if, if you're awake, say amen. amen. Parents and grandparents, they were actively at home at all times and in always living out a surrendered life to Christ before him. They never put things before Christ that he might stumble over later. And so there was that potential because he had a godly upbringing. But not only that, he had God upon him. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 25 of chapter 13 that the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Verse 5 of chapter 13 says uh, that he would uh, begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. That was God's will for him. And so he began to yield himself as he grew to be used by God to do that. And God was working in his life. Samson had the potential to accomplish great things for God. And when we think about great things, we think about the thousand people killed with the jawbone of the donkey or tearing the gate off the city or tying all the foxes' tails together. No, friend, greatness is simply surrendering your life to Christ and Him living the life He desires to through you, to make an impact for His kingdom. Samson had that potential. So do you. So does your family. So does this church. So does our nation. Any group of people who humble themselves or individual to the lordship of Christ and say, Lord, here am I, send me, take me, use me, do what you will through me, they have the potential to accomplish great things for the Lord. John 15, 5, Jesus says, you can do nothing without me. But Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ as he strengthens me. But faith was the basis of this. Hebrews chapter 11 in verse number 32, listen to what the author of Hebrews says. We'll refer to this verse later. But he, he talks about by faith in verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, the harlot Rahab, she didn't perish. But verse 32 says, and, and what shall I say? For, for time would fail to tell me of, of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. But listen, who's also included in this verse? Also of David. 
and Samuel the prophets. So Samson wasted his life, but the basis for that life, that he had potential to accomplish great things, it was faith. Wasn't just being a member of a church, wasn't just being Baptist or doing spiritual things. It was faith. Repentance and faith in God. Faith in His purpose. It was a surrender to His Lordship. And so you need to understand this. These two, there's two types of people that are here this morning outside of lost people. If you're saved, say amen. You represent one of two people. You're either growing in Christ or sadly you're retreating from Christ. You say, well, I mean, I may not be growing, but I'm not retreating. If you're not growing, you are retreating. There's never an in-between. And if you're growing in Christ, this is your reality this morning. Listen, I'm not what I should be, okay, because we, we never are. There's always more ground in our hearts and lives for Christ to conquer. Say amen. There is. There's always more of me that I can yield. I'm not what I should be, but thank God I'm not what I was. And I'm not yet what I'm going to be. I'm not what I should be. But thank God I'm not what I was. But I'm not what I'm going to be as I continue to yield myself. And Christ continues to mold me into the person he wants me to be. Now here's the other person. The person that's retreating from Christ. Here's here's your uh, description of your life. I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I was. I'm not what I will be. You say, well, that's the same words. It is. But it's also the same reality. If you're retreating from Christ today, that is, you're regressing in your walk, you're not who you should be. You're not the growing Christian you should be. You're not who you used to be. You used to be a surrendered person to Christ's lordship. You're not who you used to be. And you hear me this morning, friend. You're not who you will be. You will continue to grow worse and worse. And that's what happened in the life of Samson. Both statements are true. It just depends on what direction you're going. I'm not what I should be. I'm not who I was. But I'm not who I will be. Which reality is you today? There's the potential for realization. Second notice, the pathway for ruin. The potential for great achievement for God, it existed in Samson's life, but sadly, It was not reached. His was a life that was well wasted. Samson began to head down a dark path of sin. It was a path that was marked by first, a disregard for God's word. An absolute disregard for the clear teaching of of God's word. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. This isn't God's people, it's the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, now therefore, get her for me to wife. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 3 and 4 forbid Samson to marry a Philistine. But he walked over that clear teaching because it's what he wanted. See, he began to head down the dark path of sin because he totally disregarded the clear teaching of God's Word. He began to join himself to the world. He disregarded boundaries that were established by the world. That I know in the day in which we're living, many people would simply call those boundaries what? Legalism. Oh, that's just legalistic. You shouldn't. There's there's nothing wrong with 
Friend, boundaries that are established by God's word are there for your protection. Let me tell you something. When you're driving out to the Grand Canyon and you're heading around some, the fence that at the great, that's at the edge of the Grand Canyon, it's not there, friend, to ruin your trip. You know, to, to say, well, man, they're trying to ruin our trip. No, it's trying to keep you from ruining your life. That fence is there as a boundary to keep you from hurting yourself. And when God's word says, thou shalt not, he's not telling you, well, I'm just trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to say, I'm trying to keep you from hurting yourself. And Samson began to, to walk past those, those boundaries that God's word established. Remember those three things that marked the Nazarite? No razor upon his head, no products made by grapes, no touch of an unclean thing. Look what the Bible says in verse number 5. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother. He's got his mom and dad. And we don't really see anywhere that his mom and dad son, you may go, but we're not going with you. They, you'd think that they were raised in East Tennessee or Western North Carolina. Well, we don't, want, we don't want to, you know, he may have grandkids, and we don't want to keep him from coming over. We're afraid Samson won't talk to us anymore. Here they are. They're down in Timnah with him. When his godly parents, they should have said, Son, that's not what the Word of God says. That's not what God said wanted to do with your life. You may choose to do it. We're not going to do it with you. We're going to be here. You want to know where we're going to be? We're going to be here praying that God will do everything shy of killing you to cause you to turn and repent and come back to the Lord. That's what we're going to do. But he didn't do that. And that's what so many don't do because you can't offend your family, can you? But here they are down in Timnah. And notice what the Bible says in verse number 5. They came to the vineyards. Well, what's he doing in a vineyard? He's taken a Nazarite vow. He cannot have any great product in his body. He had no business being in a vineyard. He had no business being near a vineyard. You say, well, it doesn't say that he ate any of them. What if somebody just saw him in the vineyard? Friend, listen, perception is reality to lost people. And you may never live long enough to get your testimony back. He had no business being there. And so God sent a line in verse number 5 to run him off. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to give him the strength to run away. But instead of doing that, he just killed the line. So here he is, he's already crossed over one of the, the three. What God's Word condemned now pleased him. Look at verse number 7. So he kills the lion. It doesn't run him off from Timnah. He went down and talked to the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Don't miss this. What God condemned and what God forbade pleased him. He says, boy, I like this gal. This Man, I'm, I'm going to be living my best life. This is, this is exactly who I need and what I need. And so, verse number 9, the Bible says, after, in verse 8, after some time, he returned back to Gitter, that he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion that he had killed, that God had sent to run him out of there. And remember, Leviticus chapter 11, verses 27 and 28, forbade touching the dead carcass of anything that walked on all fours. The Bible labeled that unclean. That's what God had said. And so he goes back to see the carcass. Well, why would he go see anything that God had said was unclean? And I know they would say, well, he hadn't touched it yet, Brother Chad. He shouldn't have been near it. 
He shouldn't even be, he should have had boundaries established in his life that would protect him from losing his testimony and losing his spiritual influence and then actually touching it. So he goes to see it, and there's some honey in the midst of it, and he gets some, verse 11 says, in his hands. Now he's two out of three. Now he's, now he's touched a dead carcass that makes him unclean. And notice this, friend. He begins to involve others in his sin. See, at first, it's just him. Well, now he begins to involve his parents in his sin. The Bible says in verse number 9 that when he came to his father and his mother, he also gave them some, some honey, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Well, I mean, well, that's a good story. I mean, any of you ever eaten honey out of the dead carcass of the lion? I mean, that's what... That's a pretty good story. You, you'll never believe where I got this honey. It's the dead carcass of a lion. He didn't tell him that. Why? Because he had shame. He knew not to share it. Friend, I want to tell you something. If you can't do it with a clear conscience as a believer, you ought not to do it. You ought not to be involved in it. And, but he, he crossed over now. And so he's, he's two out of three. He's sharing his sins with others. Well, it just continues to get worse. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 10. So to have a you know, good engagement party, so his father went down to the woman. He's actively involved now. He's lost his testimony. And Samson gave a feast there for the young men used to do so. That word feast in the Hebrew is the word mishta. It means a drinking party. It wasn't just a party. It was a specific party. Uh, kids and college kids would call it a kegger. Uh, ladies that, you know, really don't have that strong walk across, they, they'll call it a wine-tasting weekend. Going a little wine-tasting for the weekend. And that involves going and, you know, losing your testimony and drinking wine all weekend. And so this was an absolute drinking party. No razor, no grape product, no unclean thing. Strike two. He's two out of three now. This was a man who had the opportunity to do great things for God. And so now he has this drinking party. It's, he disregarded God's word, but not only that, he disregarded God's calling upon his life. Remember, chapter 13, verse 5 says he was a Nazarite. He used to be separated for God's use. He's not being used by God. It's all about him. And he's going to use the power and the opportunity he has for his own life, and God will still use his accomplishments for his accomplishments. But he's not reaching his full potential because he disregarded God's word and he's disregarded God's calling. He was to be a judge used by God to lead his people out. But sadly, he resembles just the life of a people. Well, he married the Tim Knight woman. He entered into a competition of wits with the men that lived there in the town and his new wife begins to uh, try to help the men of the town to figure out the answer to the contest and so she she betrays him in chapter 14 and verse number 17 and he gets mad and he leaves her well he gets to missing her or just missing part of his marriage and he heads back in chapter 15 uh, verse 1 to try to find her, but to find out that her dad's given her to another man. Well, he's mad and he's upset about this now. I mean, friend, listen, this sounds like some 30-minute show 
before the news comes on of some sordid life of people sharing their story. And this is Samson. This is the man God had called to lead the nation of Israel spiritually out of the, out of the depths of sinfulness that they had and that was marking their lives. Well, he's so mad, verse 5 of chapter 15, he sets their fields on fire. They retaliate by killing his wife and her dad, verse number 6. And so he retaliates, verse 15, kills a thousand of them. Now don't miss this. Now he's fighting his own battles in God's name. And I want to tell you something, friend. Everybody look up here at me. It happens in local churches all the time. People establish little kingdoms within the life of local churches and fight their own battles, but they do it in God's name. You better be careful, friend, which side you're on when it comes to those things. There's only one side in the local church to be on. It's not Samson's. It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. You better be wise and pray for discernment about why people are doing the things they're doing and taking the stands and getting upset about the things that they're upset. Samson wasn't upset that the righteousness of God had been offended, but his pride had been offended. And so here he ends up killing these 1,000 people with the jawbone of a donkey. And the Bible says in verse number 18, friend, that he fought so hard, he became so dehydrated. Look at chapter 15, verse 18, because this is a pivotal moment in this story. He became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord. Listen to me. God's got him on his knees now. He's got him to a place that all his strength can't help him. He is completely dehydrated, dehydrated. And you know, have ever really been, I don't mean you've been thirsty, but I mean dehydrated to the point like you are a heat casualty. Anybody ever been that? It's terrible. I mean, you are O-U-T out. There's nothing you can do. And so God's got him at that place. What it is is the potential for revival and renewal. He has this opportunity to experience a brand new, fresh start in the Lord. And God met his need. He gave him water there to drink. He says, you have, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? And God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank. And the Bible says his spirit returned, and he was revived. But what it really symbolized, look at me, was the opportunity for spiritual renewal, that he needed far more than physical renewal. But he wasted that opportunity. He walked past it. The Bible says to celebrate this new beginning in the Lord, chapter 16, verse 1, he goes down and purchases a hooker. He says, that's how I'll begin this new beginning. I'm just going to go find a harlot. And so he purchased it, and now he falls in love, verse 4 of chapter 16. He's not only purchased a hooker, he's in love with her now. He loves this prostitute. And so he begins to share a life with her. And she begins to entice him to disclose the source of his strength. Listen, friend, his hair wasn't the source. It only marked the vow. He was deluded. He, he, began to sh he shared with her in, in a time of weakness that if, if my hair is shaved, I'll lose my strength. Friend, his hair was just hair. His source of strength was the Lord. And you hear me. People began to have religious substitutes for the power of God on their life. 
There's some people thinking if there's not a building, they can't have church. Friend, this is just a building. This is not the church. The church are the safe people who meet here every week. And people begin to have all these little symbolistic things in ourselves. If I don't have this or I don't have that. People carry crosses in their purse or they'll carry you know, a lucky rabbit's foot or some other something. I remember when I was little, I had a cousin tell me, well, if you have a bad dream, put a Bible under your pillow and you won't have a bad dream. Friend, all you're going to do is wake up with a crick under your neck. It's not going to keep you from having a bad dream. You can't receive the word of God, friend, through osmosis. You receive it by faith. And benefit comes through obedience. And Samson was deluded into thinking the power he had in his life was the hair on his head. And so he shared that. And now his hair is taken from him. He is turned totally from the Lord. Listen, three over three is a whole. No great product. No unclean thing. No razor upon the body. He's failed in all three. Listen, Samson's out. He's absolutely out. And listen to me. It all happened little by little. Listen to me. It didn't happen all in one day. It happened little by little. And God gave him opportunity to repent. But he thumbed his nose. He turned up his nose. He, he hardened his heart against the clear teaching of God's word. And it still happens today. It still happens. People who name the name of Christ, but are, they're regressing. They're not growing in the Lord. They're regressing. They're not who they should be. They're not who they were. They're not who they will be, sadly. Lovingly, the Word of God is shared. Christians come along and challenge them. Beg them to, to turn from the direction they're going. And they only harden their heart against that. It only gets worse. It doesn't get better until those total repentance. And that's sadly where we come now, the penalty for rebellion. Verse number 20 says that after he said that and his hair was taken from him... He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Really what had happened is this, friend. He departed from the Lord. Positionally, he had left the life of surrender that he had when he was a young man from the Lord. He had walked and lived so long by Samson's strength, he had no idea that God's power was gone. But when it was gone, it was gone. It's happened in our country it's happened in churches here in the South. I see it in families every day. I see it in the lives of individuals. They have no idea that the power of God has departed from their life. And yet we wonder why things are like they are in our world, our country, in marriages, and in individual people's lives. It's because the power of God has departed from people's lives. Now the enemy has him. His life is marked by this, blinding, binding, and grinding. Now, now, he has, now, now, he's, now he's lost his spiritual sight. His eyes are gone, but he can't see spiritually. Why? Isaiah 59, 2, he's separated from God now because of sin. He's living with the enemy. Now he belongs to the Philistines, and he lives with them. Psalm 1 warns against this. About standing with the ungodly because before long you'll be living with the ungodly. And now he lives with the enemy. And now he's held captive by sin. What he had once flirted with has now captured him. Listen to what 
James chapter 1, verses 14 through 16 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived and gives birth to sin and is full grown, it brings forth death. Listen to the, to the, to the encouragement and, and, and the call of James. He says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. He says, Don't be deceived by sin. Because now Samson, he's become held captive by what he once flirted with. And now he serves the enemy. Now he's, now he's pushing a wheel, grinding grain for them and performing for them. But God had warned this, Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47. God says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. For the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. What he once flirted with, he now serves. And he's become the source of rejoicing to the enemy. Did you hear me that? He, Samson's life was once dreaded when he was all into the Lord. They feared him, saw him as the enemy of their sin. But now they rejoice as to how his life has. You know, Luke 15, 7 and 10, Jesus said, when one soul is saved, friend, there's great rejoicing in heaven. He says, there's a praise party in heaven when one soul gets saved. Well, listen to the praise party that these people had. Chapter 16 Verse 23 says, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. Samson became an object of a praise report in the hands of lost people. I wonder, friend, look at me this morning. The lost people in your neighborhood and that you work with, do they think you're just like them? are different because you're so surrendered to Jesus Christ? Do they know that you name the name of Christ, but they really love that you're kind of casual because, you know, you'll watch a good, dirty movie with them? You'll hear a good, dirty joke and kind of laugh at it? Oh, you'll tell them what you saw on all the soap operas? You laugh at it and say, I don't care, I love it. Do they, re do you re do they rejoice in you? Or do they sit and say... There's something different about them. They always walk away from sin, and they never give an ear to it. Samson's life became that of one of rejoicing to the enemy. And there's an old song that was sung years ago that says, Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Slowly but wholly taking control. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay, and sin will cost you far more than you ever want to pay. That's what happened to Samson's life. He lost everything. But don't miss this. Don't miss the prayer for revival. All of this has happened. This is where Samson is now. He's blind, he is bound, and he is grinding every day for the enemy. But the opportunity exists for revival. Listen, God desires to restore far more than discipline. Discipline he will. But he desires to restore. If you answered that question honestly today as the Spirit spoke to your heart, that you realize you're regressing. You're retreating from the Lord. You're not growing in Christ. 
You're not who you should be. You're not who you were. You realize you're not what you're yet going to be like Samson. If God's convicted you of that, listen to me. God wants to see you leave here today. Listen. He wants to see you leave here in a restored, renewed relationship with Him. And it's offered to you if you'll only receive it. You know, this truth that God can restore, it's not a license to sin. Paul said in Romans 6, God forbid at that thought. But should one fail and stumble, which comes to pass in people's lives, the opportunity, thank God, exists for renewed relationship with God. It exists. It's there. Any disciple who has that desire to be in a renewed relationship can find it. God promises to restore. Notice what happens very quickly, chapter 16. Verse number 22 says that the hair on his head began to grow again. With a new head of hair and a repentant heart, Samson turns back to God. They had shaved his head, but notice what the Bible says in verse number 22. However, now his life is marked by blinding, binding, and grinding. However, the hair on his head began to grow. There was a new day. And he embraced that with a repentant heart. Samson turned back to God. He pushed every... Listen, and God had to get him to that place, friend, that all he could do was reach out to God. He had nothing else. And so with a repentant heart, he turns back to the Lord. Look at verse number 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God. Now he surrendered. Now he's back to that original surrender. That the author of Hebrews marks in verse number 32, of faith. He's all in. He says, oh Lord. In verse number 20, he says, God, remember me. Well, friend, God had never forgotten about him. He had forgotten about God. Friend, I want to tell you, there's not that, you hear me this morning. There's not a day of your life as a child of God that God doesn't remember you. He, he, his eyes are upon you. He wants to guide you with his eye and with His Word, and with His will. He loves you. He showed you that, and He sent Christ to die in your place so that you could have life and life more abundantly. So Samson, he remembers, and he's, now he's dependent upon God. He says, God, remember me. He begins to speak to God. He says, God, I need you. He realizes that he has no strength whatsoever. He's totally dependent upon God. And verse number 28 he can each say, God, would you, would you strengthen me? Literally, return your spirit to me. Give me the spiritual strength. Friend, listen, if you're saved, God's spirit never leaves you. But you have quenched his ministry in your life. Sin separates you from God. But when you confess that sin and you repent that sin, that strength will be there to help you walk and succeed in God's will. And now look at verse number 30. Samson says, let me die. Friend, he's given his whole life now to God. Fresh and new. He says, God, whatever life I've got left, I give it to you. Whatever you want to do. However you want to use me. I give myself to you. Well, what would happen in our, the life of our country right now if more Christians would do that? If more marriages, families would say, God... We die to us. More churches would say, God, we die to everything. Tradition, desires, whims, take us and use us for the upbuilding of your kingdom. 
What would happen in our world and in our country? He says, let me die. And at that moment, friend, God sent revival. And he pushed the pillars out, and God got the victory, friend. And Samson embraced a new beginning that can only be found in the Lord. God sent revival. And Samson made the most of that opportunity. I want to tell you something, friend. You don't always get a second chance in life. In some things. You know, you mess up on the job and you get fired. You may not get an opportunity to be refired, to rehired in it. Some friends you can betray enough times that they may forgive you, but they won't be your friend again. There's, there's some things. People have been in athletics. And you don't win the game. You wish you could go back and do something. You, may, you don't get a second chance. Friend, I want to tell you something. In Jesus Christ, you can have a second chance. You can have a second chance. He seized his. I wonder, do you need a fresh start today? Has there ever really been a moment in your life that you... Friend, listen. Satan is so smart. Listen to me, friend. He had rather send you to hell from the pew than he had from a gutter. It doesn't matter to Satan. Satan's so smart, friend. He gets so many lost people just to join a church. Turn over a new leaf. Hold the Bible, but never repent and never be born again. You can go to hell sitting from one of these pews, friend, just as easily as you can go from a gutter with a needle in your arm. You'll never experience life in Christ till you repent and trust Him to be Lord of your life. Samson had wasted his life, but listen, it never had to get to that point. It never had to get to that point. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says this, that an unguarded strength is a double weakness. You say, well, I'm growing in Christ. That's my reality. Praise God for that, man. Keep on chugging to the glory of God. I want to blow wind in your sails. But you better listen to me, my friend. You can slip and fall just like anybody else. An unguarded strength is a double weakness. You must be on guard daily. Now, let's talk to the crowd that says, I'm regressing. I'm not who I should be. I'm not who I was. Man, I'm not who I'm going to be if I don't make a change. Do you, do you really want to keep going down this, this journey that's going to lead to, to blinding, binding, and grinding? It just seems like common sense. I wonder who's with me on this. That if you've been saved and you're not going in the right direction... The right thing and the common sense thing to do is to embrace a new beginning in Christ. Who else thinks that's wise? So do it. Don't waste your life. Whatever years that you have left, yield them to the Lord. And grab hold today of a new beginning if you need it in Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, God doesn't say all the things that we read about. All he remembered was Samson's faith. And whatever sin has marked your life in regressing from the Lord, friend, he'll forgive it, he'll forget it, and he'll restore to you a new life in Jesus Christ. But it begins with you humbling yourself and repenting and embracing a new beginning. Do you want a great life in Christ? Or do you want to waste a life in living it for the devil? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never been saved... You must choose to turn and receive Christ. It's a gift, Romans 6.23 says. And just like on December 25th, you had to choose to receive a gift from somebody that offered it to you, 
you must choose to turn and receive salvation from Christ. It begins by admitting your sin, turning from it, confessing it, concurring with God that you're a sinner, and then choosing to receive Christ as Lord of your life. Tell him so in the simple prayer of faith, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, tell him just like this where you sit silently, God, forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died for me on the cross. I believe he rose again. And I turn from all my sin and trust Christ to be Lord of my life today. Forgive me, save me, be Lord of me. If you prayed it in a minute, I want to invite you in a few moments when they begin to sing to make your way to the front so I can encourage you in that decision that you've made to follow Christ now. You say, I'm growing in the Lord. Praise God for it. But pray the Lord will help you to be sensitive, smart, wise, continue to hide God's word in your heart. Always be on guard. Ephesians 6 says there's an enemy who wants to cause you to stumble just like Samson did. Now let's talk to those who are regressing. You're retreating from the Lord. You stand in need of revival. Friend, all you've got to do is call out again just like the day you got saved. Confess your sin. Turn from it. And freshly and newly today, re-surrender your life to Christ's Lordship. And He promises to forgive and to restore if you'll only choose to do that. Father, I pray for those that you're speaking to and challenging that stand in need of revival. Oh God, I pray that we'll not be casual about sin. God, show us, remind us, now so clearly through your word again, God, of where the road leads for those who rebel against and who reject your word and your will. I pray for those who stand in need of revival, that they won't leave the way they came, but will all leave changed because we embrace a new beginning that can only be found in Christ. And no one will ever be able to say of us one day that ours was a life well wasted, but a life that was well lived to the glory of God and through the power of Christ. In his name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.